Hi, I'm Connor Fowler. And I'm Matt Smith. And you are now listening to Apocalypse Duds. Apocalypse Duds. <laughs> nice. So today we are in Mount Vernon, a neighborhood in central Baltimore. We are joined by our very first guest, the magnificent Aaron Jones at Taylortron. Taylor extraordinaire, cyclist, entrepreneur, hat wearer, husband, son of Baltimore, and much, much more. How are you doing today, Aaron? I'm good, man. That was a hell of an intro. You know a lot about me, bro. <laughs> I did my research. Connor's <laughs> <laughs> great at doing so, the research. That's awesome, bro. Where exactly in Baltimore are you from? Um, so I was born in uh, West Baltimore. Um, growing up, I pretty much lived every corner of Baltimore City. I call myself mm-hmm. like an inner city, uh, not a not a uh, a army brat, but a Baltimore City brat. <laughs> so I grew up in, in West Baltimore, um, lived in East Baltimore, lived in Baltimore County. Um, and these are all just like by default. Mom really couldn't make the ends meet. So we did a lot of moving when I was a kid. But I spent a majority of my childhood in West Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Nice. Aaron, how old are you? Uh, I'm a whopping 35, man. I'll be 35, 35. All in right, about cool. a couple months. So. Like thirty four, nice. couple couple quarters, you know what I'm Damn. saying? I bet you've yeah. seen Baltimore change like crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, man. Like uh, when I was a kid, my grandparents came up during the Great Migration from uh, Greenville, North Carolina. Oh, okay. And uh, essentially, what they did was, you know, once they got here, they pretty much started, uh, um, just started their own businesses. You know, like my grandfather yeah. was a, he was a rapper. Like he bought fruit. Mm-hmm. He had oh, tell okay. us what an A-rabber is. In the car. Um, so an A-rabber is essentially the fruit man, right? Um, mm-hmm. Probably probably mostly in West Baltimore. There's tons of stables. Back in the day, Baltimore was definitely an agriculture, agriculture kind of city. Um, but it was also one of the largest ports in the East Coast. So to make ends meet, my grandfather, my grandfather, my uncles, and um, you know, pretty much everybody was old enough to work. Uh, they had a stable in West Baltimore, not far from Hollis Market. And then every day they would throw fruit on the back of this basket on this on this wheel drawn cart, and they walk them down the streets and they say watermelon, peaches, peaches, just yelling out <laughs> the streets, singing music. And uh, I remember, you know, as far as I can remember as a kid, I would be like in a cart handing people fruit. You know, it's probably the coolest thing ever at that point. But it, you know, I think that's where my entrepreneurial spirit came from. Oh, absolutely, that's rad. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, never would have thought that Baltimore was like a agricultural kind of hub either, but I guess it makes yeah, sense. Well, yeah, well, not for growing necessarily, but uh, because it's support, it's the first place where everything goes to get everything, everything everywhere else. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. So, so that's the only reason why. I mean, there are there's a lot of our agriculture, obviously, like in Baltimore County. Um, people come down into the city to sell to to us, but um, just you know, growing up, it was you know, it was a tons of things. They cut down Christmas trees for the winter. They tarred roofs big barrel of tar and they would climb up on roofs with steel boots and um you know they were they were entrepreneurs for sure man and uh I, i'm a, i'm blessed to say i'm a product of that yeah that's awesome what uh definitely you still have sounds family like it runs in the, in the family um i do still i do still have, still have family in the south it's not very many um they're yeah. probably like my very very distant relatives now at this point right um my grand, my aunt still has like land and stuff down there, but she's so far removed. Um, 
you know, it's been so, so long. And, the, you know, the, the, the uh, patriarch and matriarchs that were pretty much in my family that were still down there, they all passed away. So right, all yeah. of theirs land, land in a in a nice old house. I can tell you tons of stories about, like chasing chickens and seeing a chicken with his head cut <laughs> off the first time. I'll bet. And uh, after that, I was city boy ever since. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it, we're all about the so, same age. Um, yeah, go ahead, Connor. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you, sort of going off of the entrepreneurial thing, what have you? What have been the challenges in terms of finding your voice? Because it sounds like there are a lot of things for you to draw from, right? Like looking at uh, mm-hmm. your relatives and what they're doing. So, how did you end up where you are with tailoring? Um, so, the sewing piece kind of came from um, kind of the same entrepreneurial spirit my grandfather's had, but they came from the 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 matriarchs of the family, right? They all sewed. Um, so my aunt, my uncles and grandfathers are out in the street just trying to make, make a dollar. They were home making dresses and stuff for all the girls for Sunday. You know what I mean? Um, it didn't really happen that way. I did. I wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't pick up sewing that early in. Um, when I started sewing, it was kind of by default, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. We were living on East Baltimore. We were living in East Baltimore, not far from Morgan. And this one particular summer, like, you know, mom was trying to make the ends meet, but she also couldn't, like, entertain me for the summer. She had to go to work. So that means Aaron has to stay home by himself, right? And then when Aaron stays home by himself, he's outside with his friends who are home by themselves, and you end up running around, like, stealing bikes and throwing rocks at things you shouldn't be throwing rocks at. <laughs> And um, this one particular summer, I got a lot of trouble. And my mom was pretty much like, you know what? You're going to stay in the house until school starts. So I sat at a piano. That sucked. Uh, I tried to cook food. <laughs> almost burned up the house. Um, couldn't, I pretty much played video games until my eyeballs fell out of my head. And at that point, the internet was very new. It was still it was AOL. So it was dial oh, yeah. So I, you know, I was, I didn't really get, you know, in depth into that until it was a little bit more accessible for, you know, kids my age. So all that was left was this breaky dink sewing machine. Uh, my mom used to kind of sit and sew curtains and, you know, just kind of odds and ends stuff around the house and just from people who kind of wanted some wanted stuff at church. And then one day I was like, you know what, I had this shirt and I was like, you know what, the shirt would be cooler if it looked like this, right? So. I sat down on the sewing machine and mom came home and oddly enough, she didn't really, she didn't really give me a hard time about sewing without axing. I think she was nice. pretty intrigued by the fact that I was sitting at the sewing machine and I was actually like making some progress. I wasn't very good at all, but um, at that point she uh, leaned into it. She took me to Joanne's Fabric. She said, look, I can't really pay for clothes, all the cool stuff you want to go to first day of school, but you seem to picked up on this, so let's make some clothes. So my whole first like one or two weeks of school, I had an outfit every day. You know, oh, that's say, awesome. Like, um, and I really, <laughs> really got good to good at it. I, like, I, I mean, I kind of spoiled myself because I got to the point like where I didn't have to have I didn't have to wear anything twice. You know what I'm saying? And, and not to mention, I didn't have to have anything anybody else had. And I've always been like a very um, 
I've been a, been a leader, but also a very lonely roller. You know, I was never a follower. I never really got into like peer pressure. You know what I'm saying? Like if people were doing something and I just didn't want to, it was cool. And if they were doing something and I wanted to, that was cool too. But either way, I was never like um, peer pressure to doing anything. So being different and isolated is something I pretty much like leaned into forever. And, uh, you know, during the school year, I would keep selling in the off season of sports. So I wasn't playing football. I wasn't playing lacrosse. I was sitting in a sewing machine in a crib and, you know, oh, I got less awesome. and less, uh, I got less and less away <laughs> from like the neighborhood, you know, um, I had tons of friends in the neighborhood who just didn't, couldn't find their way. So they ended up selling drugs and getting into a whole bunch of, you know, other shit that they probably shouldn't have. Um, and to be honest with you, I say this every day. I think the sewing machine saved my life. You know what I mean? I think it really, really, uh, put things in perspective for me, but also showed me like, damn, you can actually love something and make some money out of it. You know what I mean? That's incredible. So, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Really yeah. appreciate it. Really, and how really old amazing. were you kind of when you started uh when you started the you know, messing around with the sewing machine? So I think I was about I was in the eighth grade, so I was probably like fourteen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of 13, the first fourteen? Was that like the first kind of experience you had uh being interested in clothes or or did that start, you know, before the Um so so my interest in clothes actually came from my sister, right? So, like I said, uh, my mom was a single mom. She raised both me and my sister. My mom really didn't know what what I should be wearing or buying. And my sister had a job. She worked at, like, Chuck E. Cheese and Jeepers and shit like that. <laughs> and uh, so when she got paid, she would go and buy me, like, the latest sneakers. You know, she'd buy me, like, you know, because – and we also went to the same school. So, like, when I was in elementary school, she was in middle school. We went to Roland Park. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, as you know, like before uniforms were a thing, you know, if you go to school and you don't have the right stuff for man, you get teased, you get clowned, you know what I'm saying? And uh, my <laughs> sister's def- my sister's defense was make sure my little brother's fresh so nobody bothers him. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that sparked my interest in clothes, like actually like putting things together, like these should be with that. And if I'm going to wear this, you know what, let's wear this hat with it or whatever. And then after that, I was like, damn, I can make my own clothes. Like, right, dude. Opens up right, a whole new world. Right. It's very oh funny because that was a question that I that was in the list of questions was going to be like, did you wear uniforms at school? Um, so I was yeah. going to ask you, how do you plan your outfits? So, well, what I used to do was uh, when I was a kid, it would really just be based on uh, like loosely like what trends were, what trends were happening, and mm-hmm. I would try to stay as far away from that as possible. Right, so. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) at one one point what was happening was it was all about the jordan trend right like jordans and having the matching color shirt and blue jeans and maybe a fitted or something that was a thing and then there was a jersey era where if you had the best 300 dollars jersey and air force ones were clean every day like you were the man i probably had over like three four thousand dollars in football and basketball jersey was fucking ridiculous to be honest (laughs) And then, like, when I kind of, you know, once I got, uh, you know, toward my end, like, end of my high school career, I really, really delve into, like, individuality. You know what I mean? Like, at that point, it was all about, like, the baggier jeans. It was all about, like, you know, Timberlands, all that kind of shit. And I started wearing, like, skinny jeans, you know? Like, I started wearing Chuck Taylors. I started wearing T-shirts, like, that were, that were considered rags, you know? 
Um, and and to be honest with you, it was it was purely out of like, yo, I don't care anymore. You know what I'm saying? I think I cared for so long, and then I realized like I have more fun getting dressed. Um, I have more fun getting dressed without super concern. You know what I'm saying? I think the idea for me is collecting, is buying pieces in the outfits. So when I get dressed, when I to answer your question, Connor, to get when I get dressed in the morning, it's really about how how I feel today. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> some days I might be like, you know, like I kind of want to be suited and boot, booted. You know, I might throw in a suit and on and some loafers or some shit, and I might not have anywhere to go but come to this tailor shop. And there's other days <laughs> where I might throw on like. You know, I might get back into that, like, jersey thing. Like, I still like jerseys now because, you know, wear a basketball jersey and some shorts, and it's comfortable. You know, and at 35, like, you know, you get to a point where some things don't really matter as much. But I think being a business owner kind of helps that too as well. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, totally. Uh, and specifically, being a business owner that um, works in the clothing industry, right? So, for example, like, a Michelin star – chefs they leave work and they love going to taco bell you know what i'm saying like <laughs> they can't wait they can't wait to get the shitty food they want to eat cheetos and shit they're not like going home preparing like you know wagyu fillets and fucking finger link potatoes it's not what they're doing um because we're around it all day you know and our focus is to make sure that the world is happy uh by way of the talent that you know god has given us so um to be honest i, I do have pockets of time like where i'm getting up in the morning and i'm like being considered about what I'm wearing, but you know, obviously, like with so many factors, you gain in weight and where are you going to work, what kind of types of events you're hanging out, what types, of, what who are your friends these days? All these things have a huge influence on how you present yourself. So lately, I'm uh, I'm pretty much spread thin across the board in all of those factors. So it depends on what day of the week it is. You know what I'm saying? Like one day I might be, like I said, I might want to dress up like Dapper Dan, and another day I might be. Some bum on the street. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, mean I, I think that's how it should be. You know, like it, people that get too wrapped up into one particular thing. Like, I, I mean, I think everybody's done that. But, you know, yeah. it's uh, it, it's more enjoyable for me, too. Like, especially as I've gotten older. That like, oh, yeah. Like, I can, you know, I, I can throw on a pocket tee and like a pair of jeans. Or I can, yeah. you know, I can. Well, I always have a jacket on, but. You know, like it's just, it's just one of those things. It's also really funny to me, like going back to something you said a few minutes ago, how many people that are in the clothing industry and or interested in clothes start with sneakers. Cause I definitely did like as a kid, you know, like that, that was the shit when we were growing up. For sure. For sure. I mean, that was the gateway, right? Like who gives a fuck about anything else you have? You know, if you got on a fresh pair of feet, shit, you can have one. Holy T-shirt and all kinds of shit doesn't even matter. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I think now, I think now though, it's like, you know, it's changed so much. Um, oh, you know, yeah. from what I remember, what, like I, it's it's less lenient now than it's ever been, right? And I and I enjoy, you know, I don't love all, I don't like all facets of the world right now presently, but um, when it comes to clothes and fashion, I enjoy like I enjoy the space it's in because oh, totally. like. You know, like even the younger kids, like you see them and they're like, dude, they're they're back to wearing like Lee Dungarees. You know what I'm saying? They're back going, they're thrifting again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it's not really about having the high end Gucci shirt or the true religion jeans and all that shit. It's like, yeah, you can't even afford that. You know what I'm saying? And, um, <laughs> right. P- 
people right. are giving each other less hard of a time. Uh, these kids are giving each other less hard of a time because it's like, you know what? Like, let's figure out who you are. You know what I'm saying? We yeah, have man. these social media and all this other stuff. Um, and, you know, now I think people's talents and their individuality is so much louder than their wealth and their worth. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, sure. Where people aren't really so heavy into fashion, but the people are very respectful of it. So I, I enjoy it immensely. Hell yeah. It it opens up a, a whole new world and kind of allows an escape to like, oh, mm-hmm. I can, I can, you know, look at this cool shit that I've made in your case or, right. you know, or I can think about how fucked up everything is right now. <laughs> like, exactly. Okay. I'm going to exactly. look at and, the cool and, shit. Right. Let's focus on the things that matter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Did you, did you do a lot of secondhand shopping and thrifting like at, when you were coming up or? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I was uh, it... I was ahead of the thrifting curve. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh hell yeah! Like, Is that where you would get some of the curve. stuff to like you know to fix oh, up to repurpose? Yeah, yeah, man, for sure. Like I couldn't really like obviously mom couldn't pay for shit, right? So, um, and, you know she tried her best, but the same experience happened again. Like went to a thrift store, and she saw I was taking a liking to, liking to it. And she would go to thrift store and like, yo, here's thirty bucks, go crazy. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then it felt and it felt like a game. You know what I mean? Like you got thirty bucks, you're in this thrift store, and you walk out with a haul. You know what I'm saying? Like, and at that point, I was doing a lot of like, I was buying corduroy blazers. You know, like I was buying like old school like uh, Wranglers, dungarees, shit like that, wide legs, right? Yeah. Um, and I would wear a hoodie under the blazer, yo. Like, and I would make, I would go crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Um, and it was so fun. It was so so fun. And now I go into a thrift store and I get anxiety. I'm like, shit, like <laughs> too much going on. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm I like freaking you. out. I got a buddy named Sharif. He's a, you know, he's a thrifter, man. Like, he goes like these thrift cons and he sells at these shows and all <laughs> that. And the and the world is so. The thrift world is so, like, advanced now. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it definitely um, is. Just like everything else. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I remember being able to find like an old band T-shirt, yo, and it was always going to be eight to ten dollars, and now they're like four fifty. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, um, yeah. And I understand the market market shifts and changes and shit like that, and I respect it. But um, at the end of the day, it's like I don't shit four fifty. I need to go into a designer store. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Um, like. I I just can't justify. And I understand the character and how long it's been, uh, you know, cycled in the world. I had this concept before about thrifting clothes. I wish we had a, I wish each one of them had like some type of barcode to tell a story about where it's been. Right. Like how many, how many people have touched this? Or like this shirt had eyes, how many concerts or like how many like relationships has been through and how many spins in the washer yo like i wish there were some stats on things you find in the thrift store i thought that shit would be fucking amazing but oh that would be you know incredible yeah man but i think the you know i think not knowing <laughs> just leaves room for an imagination you know what i'm saying um for sure and i think people should also think about that like uh in the past in the past i have uh sorry in the past i have um you know, I've like collected clothes and, and handed clothes down, and be, and since I became a tailor, um, and it's shocking nobody talks about this, but the term "clothes waste" is a real thing, right? 
Um, how many oh, times yeah. do people put this bag of clothes in a bag and they're going to take it to the thrift store or the Goodwill and um, it never makes it there. It just goes to, it just goes to, to the trash. So, uh, yeah, since we became a tailor, I really realized clothing waste is a thing. And being a tailor, what I try to do is motivate people to like, yeah, let's save the garments that you spend your money on. So instead of buying like a new pair of jeans or a new shirt, like let's educate people on what can be fixed and what can we save. You know what I mean? Um, it's a newfound res- respect for how clothes should be uh, respected, um, but it's also um, it's also something that people never pay attention to. You know what I'm saying? There's people outside that are homeless looking for clothes to wear. Like, find somebody, find a friend, give them somebody you need to, man. Like, stop throwing this shit away, man. I've seen tons of clothes get thrown away, and also like, you know, they have these cool places, like they have these rag houses, right? Like. Where there's mounds and mounds of clothing, you know, from all over the world. I'm just happy that, like, somebody's um, taking the responsibility to make sure they go to a good home. It's pretty dope. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, what, like, as a tailor, what kind of percentage would you think is, is you, you know, helping somebody save a piece that they've already got, like, either make it fit better or, or, or you know, kind of customize it? Uh, versus like what you're making on your own? Um, I don't really, it's really hard to measure, you know? Yeah. Um, I do have clients, uh, I call them repeat offenders, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> that essentially, you know, when they come their first time to get their taste, you know, they're like, oh, let's, let me see what this is like. And then they get here and they're like, oh my God, yo, this is the coolest shit I've ever been a part of. You know what I mean? Um, they really, they really have a great time. But I'm also big and being like transparent about um, what people are getting into, right? Uh, I feel like the tailoring experience should be very educational, especially for people who have no concept or understanding of like, they know they have to wear clothes and they're like, man, I fucking don't like to have to care about it. You know what I'm saying? Um, people like us, we really, really enjoy our clothes. <laughs> you know what I mean? But <laughs> imagine like, since everybody has to wear clothes, imagine the people who just really don't. And they have these really great jobs. And they have to be a part of a working society, have to go to work. They have to present themselves as such. I'm here to provide education to make sure it's not as uh, painstaking as it, as it might seem to them, right? So um, typically what I do, man, is when they come, they bring their first garment, just to answer your question. After the first time and they fall in love, they're back next week with five and six pairs of pants, you know? Um I don't know how much clothes they have in their closet to give a solid percentage of what they're saving, but right, just the right. frequency and how often I might see one customer at a time might give me an idea that I'm actually providing something in my help. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think that's worth Hell more yeah. than anything. You know what I mean? It's worth more than anything in this world. Yes. You, know, you actually can provide some assistance in, in a space where people aren't very familiar with, you know, that's what the service industry is about. It's people like you that are that are kind of teaching others that, oh yeah, you can just like fix the stuff that you've got already. Like you're you're kind of taking, you know, from my perspective, you kind of take that mentality of like say your you know your grandparents and whatnot and your mom that like, oh yeah, like you can do this and this that will not cost anything other than a little bit of labor and like. Yep. you know, kind of showing people that that mentality still exists. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and obviously, um, 
you know, obviously classism, right? <laughs> Something that we uh, live, live on in, in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it allows people who don't have the advantage to buy the things that look great already. It gives people to be able to establish their own types of identity. You know, like even people who thrift, um, I think them knowing and being aware of the tailoring side of the business, I think it opens up their window to how much they can actually purchase now. You know what I'm saying? Oh, totally. Like if you buy this shirt, like you might not buy it because there's like a hole in something or some shit. You're like, yo, wait, like I can get this fixed. Sell me a shirt for $3 because there's a hole in it. And a lot of people might walk over it. Like they're just like, oh, I don't want this piece of shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> there might be a shirt and it's like, you know, it might be like three sizes too big, but you absolutely love it. You know what I'm saying? So you kind of giving people the education of what tailoring is. Like it's not a regal experience. It's not just for rich people and royalty. It's for people who just can't help from being too short or too tall. You know what I'm saying? And like, and that's something across the board that all classes, all class, all levels of classism have the same struggle. You know what I'm saying? So I was trying to provide awareness to, uh, to individuals that like, you know, this is not just for, for one, one style of people. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is for all of us. We can do hoodies. We'll do sweatshirts. It's not just for evening wear and suits and formal wear. It's for all the above. So if you like it, we provide a solution and then you can be on your way. Fuck yeah. Yeah, man. Aaron, I was going to ask you if there is a sewing machine that you have been longing after. Like, is there is there like a super sewing machine that you have not purchased yet that you're trying to buy? Um, actually, I just bought it, <laughs> to be honest. It's like, <laughs> it's like sitting in front of you, yo, like it talks to you and all kinds of shit. It's fucking wild. The Juki? So, yeah, so Juki has come out with nice. a um, Juki straight stitch machine. Um, it's called a, I think it's D D U N D N U sixteen eighty five or some shit. I know none of that matters or whatever, but um, it's actually, it's a straight stitch machine, but it's the first digital straight stitch machine at this affordable cost. Mm. Um, this machine back in, if this machine was sold maybe five or 10 years ago, it probably would be close to like three or $4,000. Now it's 1600 bucks now, you know what I'm saying? So um, it's also like a workhorse machine. It's strictly for manufacturing. It cuts thread on its own. It tells you when it's out of oil. It tells you like your working pace. Like, yo, you're actually like kicking ass today. Uh, it tells you, it tells you like, it's pretty, pretty tight, man. Um, and it's really like, um, just from a production standpoint and getting work done, like you never realize, you never are conscious about what the bottleneck is when it comes to time. And in the bottleneck sometimes mm. for sewing, it's like me having to stop, take a pair of scissors, snip them, put it down, pull it from the machine. This machine will lift the foot up automatically. It cuts the thread. It is fucking insane. So. As of now, that's the that's the one that's on my radar, and it's mainly because of needs. Obviously, there's some other machines that I would really love to have, um, but as of now, like that's pretty much the one, the one and only at the moment. Yeah, I was curious. It's like a sewing machine or something we, I really don't know very pa- much about. Can we pause this? Can we pause this for a second? Somebody's knocking at this door, unfortunately. Yeah. Can you? Hell yeah! Oh, up? hell yeah! You Definitely get the neon sign. Because I sent yeah, Matt a bro. picture of the of the space out there. It looks great, yeah. man. It looks great. Yeah, in here. it's incredible, dude. Thanks, thanks, man. It's been a long time coming, to be honest. Like this entire shop, man. Like 
I've been here for about seven years now. And, you know, my advice to all business owners, like just from that, just from this experience right here, like the only way to eat elephant is one piece at a time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Um, this, this shop has gotten to this point just like one step at a time, man. You paint one wall one day, paint another wall, add some pieces here, like, you know, refine and repeat, refine, polish, repeat, refine, polish, repeat. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and over time, man, like we've become like probably the number one tailor right here in Baltimore City. And it's been amazing. Easily. Um, I don't have uh, a lot of employees. I have one sewer and I have one. One of my buddies, he works the front of the house for me. It's kind of a huge help. Um, and the way we kind of managed all that, like last month, we saw 70 people, 70 clients, right? So, wow. And that, that means we sold over 100 pieces of clothing, right? Because seven, 70 people, they all have like three or two or whatever. Um, and the way we do it, man, is essentially with efficiency. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not really about the big team and the fast team. It's about the, the team that has the best strategy. You know what I mean? Totally. So, um, you know, I figured if I could work on getting, reaching my ceiling with only three employees and with this strategy, I can assume that like, if I had like four or five, I'd be a voice, to, I'd be a monster. You know what yeah, I mean? You're so. just kind of building on top <laughs> of what you, you know, you got your base level and you're just going to keep building up on that. Just, Absolutely. And then, you know, just get it to the point where I can just kind of take the same equation and just drop it in another store in another state. So bushels of New York City, bushels of D.C., bushels of Vermont, bushels of wherever the fuck. And all to Atlanta, man. We need this. some good tailors. Oh, I would love to, man. One of my good <laughs> friends, one of my good friends is a hat maker, yo. It's like another addiction of mine. He's a, he's a hatter at Buckhead Village. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, What's the B. shop Franklin. called? B. Okay. It's called B.M. Franklin. Yeah. Really nice. It sounds like, super familiar. You probably have you probably seen it before. Probably seen it on Instagram or something like that. He's a super yeah. like super cool dude, man. Um, he and I have so much in common. Like we're like these artisanal black men, you know, from our from our home cities. We started business from the mud, and now like you know we've grown to the point where like we're getting glo- like we're getting some exposure and people yeah. really really enjoying our talents. Um, and then in the future, you know, like. I thought, I've talked to everybody. He's like, yo, come down here with me. Yo, we can do this shit together. And I'm like, dude, let me get this one working first. So that way I'm not going to close this and move it. I yeah, need that yeah. too. Like, <laughs> you know totally, what I mean? Totally. So um, it's fun, man. It's a lot of fun. The shop has been, it's essentially like my man cave. You know, I live across the street. So uh, when I want to just get away for a minute, kind of just do my own thing. If I want to sew and be creative, I want to watch football with my buddies. Like this is my basement, you know what I'm saying? It just happens to be uh, where I where I you know handle my profession. So it's a blessing, man, and I love this place. It's been a long time coming, and I'm sure we'll have more, you know, add more things and subtract more things along the way. But it's just a great part of the process, man. You know, it's so much fun. I mean, there are some dark days where things are like you're not really sure if you can actually finish, if you actually have the wherewithal to get through some things, but. It's so many positive days, man. Seeing people's faces when they leave here and they're satisfied about the clothing and stuff they brought here, the service and uh, how much we have attention to detail for what they need, but also providing them like we're real, like like one on one, like yo, you don't need this. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like service providers they struggle because 
Um, they're so interested in making the money and they don't realize that they'd make more money if they just, just be honest with people. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't take this person's money if you can't do this job. You know what I mean? That's one thing. And then the other side is like, tell them what they're doing. Like how many times have we gone to a mechanic and they say all this, all these words about pieces in the car that we have no idea what it means. Like, I don't know what the fuck a catalytic, I don't know what a catalytic converter is. I don't know what the fuck that is. Like, <laughs> You would tell me, oh, you need a catalytic converter and your pistons aren't turning right. So you're going to need to get a dude, just stop the car from making noise. And then they take seven <laughs> grand from you. They take seven grand from you. And then later on, you go to another, you go to somebody else. And they're like, yo, you just need a fan belt, man. Yeah, right. Bucks. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So oh. the transparency and honesty in the service industry, man, has been my saving grace since how we get customers through the store to make sure that, like, Yo, let me tell you what you're paying for, yo. And this is why this costs this much money. And it's how long it takes. Um, and then if there's a chance that I'm not going to be done on time, I'm going to make sure I tell you in advance on time that we're going to need a day or another hour or something like that. Um, and it just makes everybody's life easy. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like if people just had a little bit more humility and less, um, you know, less like personal gain out of every goddamn thing, I think the world would be a better place. So. You if you I can't make it. the world a better place, yeah. If I can't make the world a better place, I can make I can make sure the shop is. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's just like one piece of the world, man. It can be a little better than uh, most. So, that's me doing my part. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah. And Connor, you had a you had a question. That yeah, I was gonna I was gonna end I was gonna end by asking you, Sui. I looked through your Instagram. You yeah. must have. You must have at least 20 hats. What is your favorite hat? Oh, shit. Oh, man. It's, to be honest, this is one of them. Nice. What is uh, it? What is, does it say? It's Tyson. So it's Tyson Chicken, right? Oh, Tyson like, Chicken. Nice local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is one of, uh, yeah, it's probably one of my favorite hats. I have over probably 40 plus hats. Uh, hey. But mainly, but like brims. Like I have like. Some really interesting hats, like the people are like, yo, what the fuck? Only Aaron can pull that off. And then I have some <laughs> hats that like um I have some hats that are like sentimental to me. You know, like uh yeah. I've 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 worn a hat since I was shit. Like a really, really small kid. Uh when I went out the house, my mother would really, really give me a hard time. If I left my hat somewhere, if I didn't wear one when I before I left, and she did that all through my life. Like even as an eighteen year old 18 year old man like where, where's your hat and i'm like dude like um and my grandfather used to say he used to you know use this like kind of haiku kind of thing he said uh you need to protect your brain <laughs> he says you need to wear a hat on your head because you need to protect your brain it's like your helmet right and i never really like took it that serious you know um it was kind of just like oh this is like silly grandfather saying shit just kind of doesn't make any sense whatever and then later on, um, I realized that I, I was so attached to it. And it wasn't because they they enforced, you know, they were kind of like enforcing it. But it's kind of a gentleman's thing. You know what I'm saying? Like wearing a ball cap, man, wearing a nice brim, yo, on Sunday afternoon going to church. And like, you know, it's kind of a gentleman's call call to standard. Like also like my grandfather used to say, yo, a man wears a watch. You know, a man who doesn't wear a watch has no concept of respect for time. So like these kind of small things are just kind of things that like really mean the most to me. And I'll also I'll obviously pass them down to my son someday. 
Uh, but as far as my hat's concerned, man, like I love all of them. You know what I'm saying? Man? <laughs> I've got like some, I've got some crocheted ski mask and shit, yo. Like I've got like fucking, I've got hats that like that have like wild leather laces, yo, to wrap around the chin, yo. Like like or some Buffalo Bill shit. Like I've got some <laughs> great cowboy hats. You name it, man. Um, my buddy Brandon, he's a hatter, yo. Like I I have a problem every time I see him. I'm like, yo, I need this one. I need that one. I need this one. And Alicia's like, look, you got to relax. Like, these are like $600, hats, yo. You need to chill out. Like, <laughs> so um, it's it's hard to say, man. Right now, my fa- my other favorite one is I have this the hat I got married in. Right. That's black. a great one. Did you yeah, make that so tux? Good. Did you make the tux? Yes. I made the tuxedo. Yeah. Very, yeah, very well done. Thank you, man. Brandon made the hat for me. Um, it's actually a uh, it's a beaver, so it's a beaver, and it's like it's actually like stiff as a board, like it's like Lord Raiden style, like you know what I mean, like straight <laughs> flat, high and tight. Um, has a moat a moat crown at the top, like a little divot, like you can actually pour water mm-hmm. in and never comes through. Um, and it's probably one of my favorite hats. I mean, not not only was it the hat I wore at my wedding. Uh, but my friend made it for me. And, uh, you know, those things mean a lot. You know, like, I feel like... Oh, yeah. You know, over the years, I've I've gained... I've grown to love certain things I would never love as a kid. But, um, you know, being an artisan and also having attention to detail when it comes to clothing and all that stuff. Um, I'm very different when it comes to shopping in the store. Because I'm really concerned about, like, this is cheap-ass this, and this is cheap, and why is this seven, six and seven hundred dollars so I find myself just kind of like looking for special pieces, but also really being into like people who are trying to make their own brands. You know what I'm saying? Like I love buying from small businesses, you know, like they're just trying to get out there. Cause I remember when I wanted to get out there and I was trying to do my best to like, you know, like kind of show people like, yo, these are my products and trying to sell and tell the story. And it's really hard to do that, man. You can't really just rely on it being, being dope. You gotta have a compelling story to make, like pull those emotional strings. Um, to get people very, very in tune and, and wrapped into what uh, what you're trying to lay down. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, at this point, you know, the shop is the focal point and, you know, hats are definitely a, a very, very special part of my life and, and eyeglasses and shit. <laughs> um, yeah. And to be honest Everybody's with you, like if cars. I had a, yo, if I go, yo, glasses, hats, I could be naked. If I got that shit, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I'm straight, you know? So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. I haven't really been investing in those things a lot and a lot, a lot lately because, you know, just got married and, you know, want to do some traveling and stuff with my wife. And, you know, have, who knows in the future, maybe do some baby stuff, you know? So, at right. this point, it's really about uh, focusing on the business, like, making sure, like, it was solid footing and making sure our business runs properly. So that way, like, you know, if I'm not around, it can still work. Um, and that's really just been the hardest thing lately. You know, it's just making sure that like, yo, Aaron can't work eight days a week. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's only seven, yo. Right. Like, today's Monday. And I'm, I'm typically like, I try to, I try to pull, like it's pulling teeth for me to like stay in the house on a Monday and not work. Um, right. Especially cause I'm across the street, you know? So, um, today though, it was kind of different and working on this project with Apple TV, which is kind of insane. I, I should have showed you the coats before they left Connor, but 
Um, mm. I work on this project with uh, Apple TV, uh, this movie called Lady in the Lake with uh, Natalie mm-hmm. Portman. With Natalie Portman, right? Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. yeah. So they just yeah. went out the door. Like, literally, Connor walked to the back, and they were going out the other way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But like those types of projects are the ones that are so worth it for me, especially on like these these Mondays, like rainy Monday, kind of sit in here, lock yourself in, sit in the sewing machine, play some music. Um, it kind of just makes everything worth it, you know. So it's good. Yeah, man. Well, thank you. I know uh, you are a busy man, and uh, we appreciate you giving us your time and letting at least me <laughs> letting me be here. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, it's been a super interesting conversation too, man. I'm I'm stoked to to know you now and mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, man. I can't hearing your can't story was fucking awesome. Yeah, dude. If you're you. whenever you're down here, let me know. Nah, for sure, man. I'm actually uh, I'm gonna plan to come down soon, man. Uh, do some thrifting and drinking, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> maybe we'll maybe we'll all go down there, dude. Hey, come. let me know, man. I'm ready. I'm ready. Come on, come on. <laughs>